everyone, and welcome to episode 401 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday, May 28th. It's almost Memorial Day, and I am joined by the fearless leader, managing editor Chris Willis is here. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, Brad. How are you, man? I'm living the dream. We upgraded on Scott tonight. That's good to see. Scott is still gallivanting around some international location, and uh, I'm trying to fill his shoes. And, uh, you know, look, you always offer to be on the podcast, but you're so busy. I try not to bug you too much, but it's time. Here we are. Yeah, and I missed earlier this week uh, uh, for Stephen to do a solo show. So uh, <laughs> you know, I'm glad to I'm glad to jump on here with you. It was fun to listen to Stephen. Uh, it was uh, it was old school. I really enjoyed it. He seemed to be a, a natural in the hosting uh, solo realm, but it's hard. People do not appreciate that it's not comfortable to talk to yourself for 35 minutes about anything. I do it all the time in basketball. I've, I've gotten, I guess, maybe a little bit better at it, but it's really terrifying. So shouts to Stephen uh, for that. And I know Sean does it all the time too, and Sean is amazing at it. So. There you go. Um, We'll get into a lot of stuff on this podcast. It's a little bit odd because the Braves played a night game on Sunday and then they also play tomorrow. So not going to be the same lag time that we sometimes get in between the Sunday game and the next time they play. But they had an overall losing week. That's never great. Three and four. They did win today, which makes the podcast a little bit better usually to uh, talk about them. But still, only seven and ten the last 17. They're still in a pretty good spot. Um, Before we dive into like kind of what transpired uh, I'll assume, uh, based on, you know, I, I know you see the crazy mentions and things, uh, the mood's probably better than it was yesterday because the mood on Saturday, at least that I saw on Twitter and other places was not great. No, it's been, and it's been, it's kind of been that way this whole month. I mean, you know, they haven't, they admittedly, they haven't played their best baseball, uh, but the, you know, the schedules had a lot to do with that. The injuries have had a lot to do with that. And you're right. Um, you know, I have to kind of remind everybody, you know, they're still, um, 11 games above 500 and have a, semi-comfortable leading in NL East. And I think, you know, I think when Max Fried went down and Kyle Wright went down, if we had said, you know, this is where they would be at, uh, at nearing Memorial Day, I think we all would have taken that. Oh, yes. I, I mean, absolutely. And it's kind of ironic. I look at it just now just to make sure I wasn't crazy. But, yeah, they, they have the best record in the National League right now uh, on Memorial Day. Uh, you know, and given the given the tenor of things, you may not you may not know that you may not recognize it if you just kind of parachuted in one day and just let's see how Braves Twitter is doing. Um, but hey, you know, it's it, it has been perfect. Like, like you said, again, they're seven, seven, ten, the last 17. They're not playing at their absolute best. They are banged up. But um, a little bit of the sky is falling stuff is I, I guess it's warranted. It, it, it's uh, it's expected because it's just, it's just what happens over the course of the season. But it, it is not so bad. We'll get into kind of why later on. And the other big story that we'll touch on a lot more later in the show is the return of Mike Soroka. As we record in this podcast, the Braves have not yet, and they we hope they will, we think they probably will while we record, they have not yet confirmed full on that he's going to pitch on Monday, but basically everyone agrees he's going to pitch on Monday in Oakland. Um, I know you've been around the team this week. Uh, I'll go through kind of the TikTok later on, but it's been more than a thousand days since he pitched in the majors. So um, fingers crossed and we'll hit it at the end of the podcast, but that, that's a big story too. Oh yeah, that's huge. And uh, you know, cause I mean, there's probably been several points throughout this process that we wondered if this day would ever come. Uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's almost uh, probably a good thing that they're going to let him open on the road. Uh, but you know, like you said, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later in the show. Yeah, definitely. Um, but you know, first and with a hat tip to Sean and Steven, uh, we'll kind of fly through the Dodgers series. Uh, it's been covered a little bit, and uh, we have a little bit less time than usual because it's later on a Sunday than often. But they did lose two of three to the Dodgers this week. They actually led 4 nothing in the opener. I think, were you at all these games? You were definitely at multiple of these games. Did you go to all three of these? 
I was at the opener and the Wednesday walk-off win. I missed the Tuesday game. Okay, well, there you go. That's uh, Tuesday was the one to miss, so congratulations to you on that. Um, so the, the the opener, they had a lead, at Rosario homers, and then they blew the lead in the fifth inning. Uh, Morton wasn't particularly good in that game. Uh, it was one of those, uh, you know, kind of everything goes wrong after they took the lead, and then they got just absolutely smashed on Tuesday. Honestly, nothing went well. Even Strider, uh, he wasn't fantastic. He still he was still good and for anyone else in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, going into Wednesday and the fact that they, you know, they were leading a lot of Wednesday's game, but it was kind of downtrodden. And I think that maybe that contributed to the overall mood because they were pretty close to being swept by the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think I think what people forget in that is just how good of a team the Dodgers are really are. Yeah. And uh, you know, they kind of got off to a slow start, but they've been They've been playing really good baseball over the last month or so. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, I, I thought, it, you know, I mean, anytime the Braves and Dodgers uh, play, it seems like the Dodgers have kind of gotten a little bit of the upper hand in the regular season. But, you know, the Braves, of course, won the won the NLCS in 2021. You know, they've performed a little better. But, it's you know, it was a measuring stick between uh, two of the best teams in the National League. You know, they'll play again out in Los Angeles later on. So, but it was a it was one of those series where you know it did kind of feel like they kind of got they got outplayed even though you know really and arguably they could have won two of the three games because they had that big lead on in the opener. Yeah, it was definitely a, a can't predict baseball kind of thing because like 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 you said they they could have won two or three they could have got swept ended up getting one they get the Wednesday walk off after leading most of the game. Rice Holder, who we'll, we'll talk about later on as well, pitched very well on Wednesday. They got pretty unlucky. In the eighth inning, I mean, you were there. The two-run double that was hit off of Anderson in the eighth inning was about as unlucky as it gets, and that was like potentially the swing piece in the entire game. Unfortunately, it did not end up being that way, but that's one of those that's like genuinely unlucky. I mean, there's times where fans look and see and hope that stuff's unlucky against them. That was one that's like, I think, yeah, I yeah, had a 110 expected batting average, and for that to almost decide the game, it didn't, but man, that would have been brutal. Yeah, it, it sure would have. And I mean, like you said, we know the bullpen's kind of struggled of late, but they've been there's been a lot of bad luck involved in there too. Seems like, uh, you know, I thought it was really big for them to come back and win that game, just because, man, if, if they had gotten swept, you know, it's just how much different things would have felt going into this Philly series. Um, but you know, they did end that series on a good note and uh, was able to come back in the ninth. Yeah, especially especially the fact that they were leading that whole game. If they had, if they had blown it and gotten swept, it would have been. Uh... Pretty brutal, but, you know, Riley, who came alive uh, this week and really the last couple of weeks now, um, opens up the ninth with a double. And then, you know, Ozzy had this great plate appearance to generate that game-winning sack fly to kind of walk it off and improve the vibe considerably as the uh, as the Phillies arrived. And, you know, Thursday's game against Philadelphia, we'll spend a little bit more time on the weekend because this just hasn't been covered as, as in depth on the podcast feed. But, uh, you know, Dylan Dodd comes up to start. He wasn't fantastic. He pitched well enough to give them a chance. And then AJ mentor gave up three straight hits to tie the game in the seventh inning. I know Steven covered this on his solo show, talking about AJ talking about a lot of what transpired there, but um, you know, they, they won the game. It's another one where they, they gave up a lead. It was tied and they kind of blew it open from there. But um, you know, Dodd, it felt like they might stick with Dodd after that game, but we know now that they, that they were not going to do that. They ended up uh, sending him down after that performance. But what did you make of the way that Dodd looked as far as like, I know he's not going to be an option for this week, Probably, at least it seems like it. Um, but it's like, you know, did he, did he impress you? Like, how? Did, I think the numbers were just kind of middling, but he gave them a chance. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Dodd is just the the stuff 
you know, he just can't live in the middle of the plate. And yeah. it's too often, it's too often that's where he's leaving pitches at. Um, you know, it seemed like in the spring, and I guess these are shorter outings, and maybe this is why, but the stuff was playing up a little bit more. I will say this I do enjoy watching a young pitcher go out there and pound the strike zone uh, instead of walking four or five guys. Um, you know, but the thing was when he did give up contact, man, it was hard. It was hard contact and, uh, you know, gave up uh, a couple of homers, I think in that one, one monstrous home run to Bryce Harper. So, yeah. you know, again, I like, I like to see a guy attack the strike zone, but I think it's one of those things where Dodd's got to live on the edges. Uh, I think he could learn, learn a lot by, um, watching Bryce Elder. Um, you know, I'm not ready to give up on him or anything, but I do think he needs, he probably needs more time you know, at AAA, and then obviously they sent him back uh, after that start. Yeah, I, I think that if they didn't have Soroka getting, you know, close and now we, we presume arriving, it would have been fine to go with that again. Like I, th- I think he can give you a chance like he did in that game, and that's kind of all you can ask for given all the injuries that they have. Um, the offense was good on Thursday. That was their second-best game of this of the week offensively, um, always the best one before tonight's game on Sunday. Riley hit two two home runs. Um, and he is, he's definitely coming alive. I didn't pull the numbers today um, while we're talking, but he became the third player since StatCast started tracking in the entire league, which is, like I think, you know, almost 10 years ago now, to have two homers of at least 455 feet in the same game. He had been brutal kind of before this. He had this sub-550 OPS over like almost a month, but then he kind of came alive in a big way. Uh, he had this eight-game stretch where he had seven extra base hits, and he was really raking and uh, obviously he's seeing the ball much better now, um, you know, beyond just the obvious numbers. Does uh, it look like he's kind of himself again? Because that would obviously be a nice boon for a team that kind of needs him to be. Yeah, he talked about it a little bit uh, throughout the week, too. And, uh, you know, I think we kind of saw it in the series before the Dodgers. He started to hit the ball a little bit with more authority. Didn't get a lot to see. A lot of things, uh, a lot of success from it. I mean, uh, hit it right at people. But you started to see that the quality of the plate appearances was getting better. Um, you know, it was, you could tell, you could tell it was a load off him too, because he was really smiling after that two home run game, <laughs> obviously. So, and I mean, that was against Aaron Nola too, who he's, he's pretty much torn up in, in his, um, you know, in his career. So, uh, you know, while that was, you know, why he's had some success against Nola, just to see him, you know, hit the ball with authority like that, because, you know, I think I was looking at May, I think, you know, he had a, you know, he, he just, I think at one point he only had coming into the week he might have only had two extra base hits the whole month you know yeah. and that's not that's not uh that's not him and uh but i think he i think he kind of got looking more like himself in this series yeah and i mean much has been made of like you know if you go back to the end of last year we talked about it on the show and got yelled at a lot a few weeks ago with scott and i and then i think it became almost too big of a talking point um you know he he's been pretty mortal for you know 500 almost plate appearances but I think that he had proven enough before that to where people should be worried. It just was a notable thing. And he looks like himself again. And, um, you know, it's it's a good, encouraging sort of factor. The numbers for this year, still, they, don't, they don't, like, blow you away. But he's now up to, like, 115 WRC+. Plus. He looks he looks fine again. And uh, that was notable because, of course, that was the biggest game that he had this week was on Thursday. Um, Friday was kind of the night that the bullpen chatter peaked. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Jared Schuster pitched. He was okay left having allowed two runs but the bullpen uh let him down a little bit um before we get to how that how they perform i know steven uh pre-tweeted about this before it happened so i know where he found where he fell on this what did you make of uh of snit pulling schuster when he did because that became a huge point of contention 
Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, you don't want to let the, I guess you, you, you're trying to pay attention and not let the guy see the lineup for a third time quite as much. Um, you know, I think it's a fine line if it worked when it works, you know, it's everybody's, everybody's happy. And when it doesn't and the bullpen gives it up, then, you know, you're kind of looking at it like, you know, what'd you take him out for? But, uh, you know, it's, I think it's, it just, it's just uh, compounded by the struggles of the bullpen of late. You know, it's just it's one of those things. Everybody's kind of already on edge. Um, so it was, uh, you know, people were ready, and when it happened, you know, that's <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, I you know, people that listen to the podcast regularly probably know how I feel. I I agree with Stephen. I thought that it was totally the right move. It didn't work. Um, but process over results is kind of the way I think about things. I do understand, though, especially traditionally, you know, people that uh, don't love to kind of be proactive on this kind of thing. And Schuster wasn't dominating, but he was pitching fine. Um, and I think that, you know, it was going to be real Muto for the third time. And that's that's probably why he did it. It was a right-handed, you know, great right-handed hitter, et cetera. Jimenez was really bad when he came in and that sort of magnified things. And uh, I wrote in the notes, I think this is, it was kind of the collective like bullpen freakout night. Um, at the end of the night, the Braves were 17th in the league in bullpen RA, which isn't horrific, obviously. As of this moment, they're 15th in the league. Um, but that's, you know, smack dab in the middle. And for a team that was supposed to be awesome in the bullpen, that's not where you want to be. And it has at times like it's felt worse than that. Um, this does not include the last, I think, game or two, but they had a five plus ERA for about a you know two, three week span as well in recent days. So um, we all kind of know the attrition that's happened there. We all kind of know like kind of the, the blowups that have happened along the way. But I'll ask you this because we haven't talked about this, at least not you and I. Is this just like noise in your opinion, or is there like real concern about the bullpen? Because that is uh different because, you know, some of the, some of the unluckiness, all that stuff, but if this is going to be a problem, a legitimate problem area, then that is obviously more of a question that could be maybe addressed by trade or whatever. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's really dependent on which reliever you're talking about. Cause like with AJ Minner, I mean, everybody's just focused on that ERA, but you know, his FIPS actually pretty much in line of with where it is has been in his career. Now, I think he's not, you know, I think he's made some mistakes or whatever, but I think there's a lot of noise in his profile. I mean, coming into Sunday, the Braves had bullpen was third in FIP, 3.66, even with that ERA down ranked 15th. So, you know, that's that kind of suggests that there is some, um, there is some noise, you know, just in this, uh, in this stretch of performances here but i will say this you know it's one of those situations that like every time that bullpen door opens right now you don't really feel good about anybody that's coming in i guess maybe iglesias um of late but you know his he he struggled his first couple of outings too you know he's kind of he's kind of uh looked more like what we expect from him but you know it's one of those situations where <clears throat> you know you can't really say Oh, he should have put this guy in because they've all had their struggles. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think it is something that we're going to see addressed down the road, but uh, around the trade deadline, because, you know, they usually do add a reliever to the mix. But I mean, it, you know, at this point, it's one of those things. I mean, they really miss Dylan Lee too, you know, getting him back, uh, getting him back would be huge too. But, um, you know, it is something that I think you should be concerned with. But at the same time, I also think they've they've been unlucky in a lot of ways too. Yeah, I think the way that I would put it is that I it's concerning, but I'm not panicking. And I, I think we had a listener that was, I think, being good natured with us about it. I think uh, tagged me and Scott in a tweet about kind of making fun of our bullpen preview episode where we were pretty effusive about the bullpen. But even in that discussion, I know this has been a theme of the podcast since we started it. You know, seven however plus years ago. 
relievers are volatile. And like even a team that was as loaded on paper as the Braves were in the bullpen, it's never going to be just a breeze. Um, sometimes it is, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but like you can't project year to year relievers. I mean, Minter is perhaps the most shining example of that. I mean, you, you brought him up, so did Steven, and the numbers are stark there. But, you know, all all relievers, I mean, without with very, very few exceptions, are uh, subject to noise and subject to um, not being very good or getting hurt and all, this, all those things. Like you, you cannot have the same level of confidence projecting a bullpen as you can other stuff. And we've kind of seen that already. I think it's a unit that's gotten a little bit too much heat. And I get why it's the reactionary. It's nothing, nothing more frustrating. Uh, for a baseball fan than when their team's bullpen blows games. <laughs> it's just like one of those like things that just are built to trigger people's brains. Um, but I do think that um, big picture trying to be level-headed about it, it's not an area that I'm panicking about. I just think it, it's a little bit more concerned than you want to be. Yeah, I agree. And and it's also magnified because, you know, you look in the, in the rotations down to uh, key starters yeah. and are and your number arguably your number one depending on how you slide in freed and strider but it is a concern and and, and those struggles uh you know kind of get uh, magnified uh just because you're having to run a bullpen game or you know you're having to go to the bullpen a little earlier because you've got rookie starters in the rotation so you know it is something i think they'll it'll get uh it'll get better as we go along but uh i believe they'll be adding people yeah, they will do something. I'm very sure about that. It's something that Alex will address. And uh, even when they haven't needed it, quote unquote, they've still done it. So uh, they're going to be pretty active, I would imagine, in the next couple. You know, And I won't say it's going to be soon because that's something, a question we got actually, I can't remember who asked it, so my apologies. But it was like, is it too early to look at trades? And probably is the answer to that. I mean, it's not impossible to get trades done in late May, but it's probably a little bit early for it. We'll see if they get a little bit closer to you know mid-June or later um, for that to actually uh, come to fruition. The other big thing that I want to make sure we touched on on Friday is the work of Marcelo Zuna. Now, we, we've all talked about Marcel. Um, it's kind of well documented, but if you've been under a rock, it's been a roller coaster ride for Ozuna, but he has been really good in recent days. Uh, he wasn't um, great tonight in particular, but he's up to a 114 WRC plus for the season. And this is a crazy swing. So in April, he had a 10, yes, 10, 1, 0 WRC plus for the month. And in the first 19 games of May, so three plus weeks, he had a 221 WRC plus. He was the fourth worst player in all of baseball by Fan, by Fangraphs War from the start of the 2021 season. So two full seasons through the end of April of this year. So two seasons plus a month, he was the fourth worst player in baseball. And then this month, he literally might be the National League Player of the Month. I'm not saying he's going to be, but he actually is in the running for that. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, I think we all kind of tried to leave the door open a little bit because of the stat cast profile was always good. He hits the ball hard, et cetera. But nobody saw this coming. The fact that he was just like literally Babe Ruth for three and a half weeks is just wild. Yeah, I mean, when Ozuna was so bad in April that I don't know that any of us thought that this type of turnaround uh, was possible. But I mean, he's been he's been great, like you said. I mean, he's hitting the ball extremely hard again, getting results. Um, you know, I thought it was pretty funny. Nick uh, Nick Green on the broadcast the other night was talking about him and uh, said that a faulty pitching machine in Miami kind of led to his turnaround because the ball wasn't coming out smooth and he was having to try to stay back to hit it. And that's what he credited uh, kind of for getting him out of this <laughs> funk, which I thought was hilarious. But, uh, you know, I mean, to go from a 10 weighted runs created plus in April to 221 at this point, I mean, 
honestly, we thought he was about a week away from being, uh, you know, DFA'd because they had so many people coming back off the injured list, you know, and now obviously he's hitting fifth and uh, is an everyday player again. It really is wild. I don't know how real it is. I mean, it's, uh, I'm someone that likes to lean on sample sizes and the fact that he was so bad for so long, it's kind of hard to believe this is real, but at the same time, the batted ball profile was always good. And he was, you know, I, I tweeted it this week. He, he hit at an MVP level in 2020. Now that's a long time ago, but it's not like it was impossible to believe he could be good again. So yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. Like I totally agree with you. We were all really speculating on people that around the team were like, all right, when's this going to happen? Because it almost felt like it was a fait complete that he was not going to be on the team at some point. And now he's like clearly going to be entrenched. And um, yeah, if he keeps sitting like this, uh, they're going to roll with him and as they should. So there you go. Um, so from there, Saturday's game was a low point. The offense had its worst night in a while. They uh, just couldn't touch Zach Wheeler and Zach Wheeler is awesome. So that's worth uh, emphasizing. Um, they had three hits and a walk struck out 12 times against Wheeler, didn't score a run. Uh, Sean Murphy did homer off Craig Kimbrell, old pal in the ninth, but it wasn't quite enough there. Um, I saw people like, I'm not sure you saw this too, but people were like picking on Morton and the pitching on this night. And I was like, guys, it, they lost this game two to one. Like the, the run prevention was not the issue on Saturday. They just couldn't touch Zach Wheeler, which again is defensible because it's Zach Wheeler, but it was, uh, it, was a, it was a total power outage. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen Wheeler have these kind of performances against the Braves in the past, too. So, I mean, it wasn't like something we've never seen, you know, uh, held him. I mean, basically three hits. I think Wheeler only gave up two of them. One was to Kimbrell, uh, the home, Murphy homer off Kimbrell in the ninth. So, <clears throat> you know, just a dominating performance by by him. You just kind of have to tip your cap to quote Freddie Gonzalez and just <laughs> and just go on, you know. You um, I thought Morton Morton wasn't you know Morton wasn't the great at his best uh, that we've seen, but he was kind of he was kind of this kind of version of of Charlie Morton. Uh, a lot of strikeouts, uh, a lot of base runners, but you know he did his job and and kind of kept uh, kept them there. And then I thought, like you said, uh, the bullpen was actually pretty good on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that was the weirdest thing. It was like that was the one night when the bullpen was what it was supposed to be like. It just didn't matter because they couldn't hit. But, you know, on the on the Morton point, you know, it, he's been the guy that they've kind of needed him to be this year. He's not been dominant. I think the days of Morton being an ace are maybe gone. He's 39 years old, but he has an ERA of 3.59 right now in 10 starts. And if you just offered me that uh, – in March, I would have said that's that's a positive result for the Braves. So he's been fine. And uh, Miller, Miller looked good in that game, et cetera. Tonight's game, the bullpen wasn't perfect. You know, Colin McHugh, who I've always liked, was not very good tonight. But um, the offense was the story, If we're, which is and on a positive note when it comes to results. They scored seven runs in the first inning tonight. Uh, it was aided by two errors, but uh, the Braves had 17 hits in the first six, six innings. That doesn't usually happen in baseball games. No, and it's been a long time, um, you know, since we kind of seen it from uh, the offense like this. So it was, <clears throat> you know, on, on one note, you don't want to waste all of them. It seems like they all come in one game and then you can't hit anything, you know, for the next two or three days. But um, I felt like they were coming, they were going to explode on somebody here, here pretty soon. And, uh, you know, obviously that happened, it happened tonight on the Phillies. Yeah, everyone in the lineup had at least a hit. Um, I believe, yes, seven of the nine guys who started had multiple hits. Um, Ronnie and Olsen were the stars, but Riley was really good too. You know, Olsen hit the two absolute titanic home runs. Ronnie opened four for four. 
and uh, has been, you know, basically the MVP of the league so far. He's been ridiculous. Sean Murphy's been awesome. He had three hits tonight. Um, yeah, it, it was a team effort. It was collective. Uh, and that's and uh, that's before you even get to Michael Harris. Um, did you see the Otis Nixon comparisons? Because I saw them. They were out there. Oh, I didn't see them, but uh, but now that you, I see it on the rundown right here, and you, you kind of think about it, man. It was a, it was that type of a, of a catch. So it was fun. I mean, that was um, that was a good game. It was, I think the Braves Twitter actually needed a, a game like this, you know. So it was good to see. Yeah, it's a good reminder that Michael Harris, uh, even when he's not hitting, can do uh, things that help you. Which was uh, play defense like that in center field, a premium position. And also Strider, I mean, we, we don't have to do the whole Strider thing because we all know how good he is, but he became, this is according to Bowman, the fastest starting pitcher to 100 strikeouts in a season in over 100 years. Uh, that is uh, That speaks for itself. His numbers are always you know video game-like, but he had nine Ks tonight. He had one mistake. It was a two-run homer, but other than that, he was just awesome. And like they didn't really need him to be that good tonight, but he was uh, his normal dominant self. Yeah, I mean, you know, what I think at this point, you know, everything we say the same things about him every week. I mean, he's just yep. amazing to watch. Um, <clears throat> you know, just real, just quiet, methodical, goes out there and dominates uh, hitters, you know, and gives you six, five, six good solid innings every night with nearly double figure strikeouts. I mean, the n- strikeout numbers he's putting up are just absurd. I think it was 100 Ks in 61 innings. And I believe that was either, that was two thirds of an inning better than Jacob DeGrom. Which I mean, basically, that's the category Strider's in now. Uh, except you know he's healthy and making making starts every week. But Jake, might think back to Jacob Degrom a couple of seasons ago, and that's you know that's essentially what the Brave what he's given the Braves. Yeah, I mean he's uh, he's ridiculous, and you know we all know this, but they need him to be this good right now, and it, that's in some ways unfair to a guy who is still really young and. Um, you know, but the margin for error without without free and right is pretty thin, and they have to. He has to be great, and he was he was great again tonight. And uh, you'll take it uh, each and every day of the week. Um, while we were talking, Michael Soroka is confirmed to be the the starting pitcher on Monday in Oakland. We knew this already, but uh, as we look ahead a little bit to what's going to come this week, um, it is his first major league appearance since August third of twenty twenty. So almost three years, more than a thousand days. Um, the timeline basically was a little bit weird. Like they optioned Dodd and they, when they, when they scratched Mike Soroka today is when I was like, okay, it's happening. Um, and then I'm sure you saw the, uh, the Anthopolis radio appearance where he kind of gave it away too, but uh, what's your mind been uh, sort of saying and, uh, and sort of observing throughout the day all the way up until now where he's now confirmed to be a starter tomorrow. Well, I mean, when they optioned Dodd, you know, you started, he started kind of looking at things and I mean, honestly, they weren't going to have, you know, many options. It was Soroka or a bullpen game, essentially, because yep. Schuster's already up, and um, you know, Dodd can't come back up unless there's a unless there's an injury. So, um, you know, you was kind of looking at it. I could see. I thought about a situation maybe where they gave him one more uh, start at Gwinnett, and I think you know, if everybody was healthy, he'd probably get another start or two, even um, you know, at Gwinnett. But everybody's not healthy, and. Uh, this is a perfect, almost a perfect opportunity. I know a lot of people wanted to see him return at home, uh, but I think there's some benefit, honestly, to let him get his first start out in Oakland and um, on the road. And then, you know, he'll obviously he'll he'll probably stick in the rotation, I imagine, and we'll be back at home soon enough. Yeah, I mean, it's we'll get into the A's in a second in general, but 
I am on your side of this. I think it might be good given all of the emotions that I'm sure will be happening in his brain. Um, you know, it's been so long, so many obstacles. It's a fantastic story. I mean, for a guy who was, you know, this, this budding star that had all this injury stuff and all these false starts and things and have him come back. And honestly, it's about as low pressure of an environment as you can get as a major league starter to be pitching in Oakland against uh, the literally the worst team in the league, not in front of your home fans. It probably is a good situation. Yeah. It'd be, a, it'd be fun. The moment would be incredible when he pitched in Atlanta and it still will be whenever he pitches in Atlanta. I'm very confident about that, but uh, I think they, they almost couldn't have scripted this any, any better to be honest, as long as he's ready to go. And he threw nice six pitches on Tuesday. He, by all accounts looked pretty good. The last two starts has been really good by the numbers. Um, you know, I, I know I'm sure like you've seen uh, him pitch and people have kind of been a little bit skeptical of how he's looked at times in Gwinnett, but he seems to be rounding in closer to form at this point in time. And yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be emotional. I mean, I, I think of our guy, Eric, our guy, Eric Cole, who's been the Soroka guy forever. I'm sure he's throwing a party this evening. Um, but like, you know, Braves fans are invested in this and they should be. I mean, I'm not always the, the biggest softy on this stuff, but like it, it's going to be very, very cool when he pitches like almost three years. I mean, unprecedented stuff too. like the Achilles. It's crazy. So uh, I've said a lot of things there, but it's going to be awesome. I look forward to it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, not just one Achilles injury, but two, you yeah, know, it's, 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 it's unprecedented. And, um, you know, you know, credit him, credit the Braves for, you know, allowing, sticking with him uh, for this long, all the work and, and stuff that he's put in. Um, you know, it's going to be a surreal moment. I hope everybody's kind of got their expectations in check. I mean, I would love for him to come out and pick right back up where he left off in 2020, but you know, that's not really realistic. I, I thought Snit Snit didn't just come out and say it the other day when we when he was talking about Soroka. Uh, but you know, he wanted him. You know, he needs to be able to throw a hundred pitches. Or, you know, in that area it was kind of what Snicker said, and I think that's what you're looking at here. Is you just want uh, Soroka to come in and give you innings at this point. You know, for a rotation that's uh, kind of been battered uh, a little bit. So, you know, I think getting him back, it's going to – I think it'll hype everybody up and, uh, you know, hopefully it goes well. And I think the most important thing is just that he's able to stay healthy, um, you know, pitching every every fourth, fifth day. Right. I mean, and it's uh, – you know, his presence on Monday allows them to give Bryce Elder an extra day when he's been – you know, he's been pitching extremely well for the Braves. He's been, uh, you know, when he left the game on uh, the other night, he was leading the, the league in ERA, which is just absolutely wild. So he has an extra day off. That probably helps everybody involved. Um, everyone seems to love Michael Soroka. And I'm not just fans. I'm talking about you know, people in the, in the organization. I'm sure you hear that stuff down there um, covering the team on, on, on the uh, on the scene. But yeah, it'll, it'll be emotional for everybody. That'll be awesome. Um, you know, again, Elder gets to go on Tuesday now. He, again, 2.1, 2.01 ERA for Elder. Um, it's kind of been almost like a meme from Braves fans the last couple of days about the stat cast metrics and how, like, it seems impossible to do what he is doing. But the slider has been a talking point, and it should be. He's been basically unhittable with the slider, and that can do a lot of things for you. I, uh, we, we've all kind of done the elder thing by now, but because again, he was leading the league in ERA when he exited his last start. I have to ask you like, what is going on with Bryce? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's incredible. Honestly. I mean, I, and again, I, my tendency I'm sure is to be skeptical and I am a little bit, but I do want to just stay like, it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter. Like the fact that they've gotten this production out of him has been enormous. Yeah, I mean, um, I got asked, uh, tw somebody tweeted at me about a week ago and asked me about uh, this very question, and I was like, just enjoy it while, while it lasts, you know, because 
Um, I don't think he, you know, he can obviously keep this up, but I mean, just how big has he been? I mean, the guy, you know, people forget, but I mean, he was dropped um, in spring training at the same time Ian Anderson was. Yep. And uh, because he just, you know, he wasn't pitching terrible, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, it didn't look the way they wanted him to look and, and Dodd and Schuster had looked better at that point. I mean, he was opening day starter at Gwinnett and then he came up and I mean, he's pretty much been a fixture in this rotation, you know, uh, from the start to finish. And, um, you know, I kind of look at it the way Kyle Wright was last year a little bit, you know, I think everybody was hoping that Kyle Wright would, uh, you know, take a rotation spot. And, uh, you know, I think everybody this year was hoping the elder would be able to do that. And I mean, he's come in and exceeded, any expectation that anybody could have had for him. Um, you know, I wish I knew how he was doing it. I know there's a lot of spin, you know, he, it, with that, with those pitches, the stuff's not overwhelming by any means. He does a good job living on the edges, but it does seem, you know, about once or twice a game, he will, uh, he will miss middle, middle and nobody can hit it, you know, and I don't really have a good explanation for it other than, you know, he's just gotten guys so off balance that uh, you know they just they're just having a, a terribly hard time uh, squaring anything up, right? And, and look, he, he actually sometimes some guys, and this is uh, it gets attributed too much, but there are some guys who manage to outperform their metrics year after year. They, these guys do exist. Um, I, I do think that it's going to regress a little bit, but maybe he's just one of these guys that it, he breaks the system and it, it is what it is. And um, but again, with without Freed and without Wright and all the weirdness with the rotation, just even getting this much out of him so far has been awesome. And uh, they can rely on him to pitch every four or five days. And that's, that's a huge thing too. Um, we should at least mention, I know I said it a little bit earlier, but the A's are uh, genuinely historically awful. Um, they're the worst team in the league by a lot. They have a, uh, I'm going to ask you not to cheat, Chris. And if you've already seen this, you can tell me, do you happen to know what their run differential is right now? Uh, it was over 170, I believe. It is minus 199 in 55 games. So that means they are getting outscored by almost four runs a game. Uh, That is unbelievably bad. Um, They've lost 11 games in a row. They are 10 and 45. They're six and a half games worse than everybody else in the league. They've allowed the most runs in the league by almost 100. They actually have scored more runs than Cleveland, which is a shots Cleveland, I guess. Um, But uh, anyway, I, I don't mean to say that, you know, I say that now because of the fact that uh, it's baseball and yeah, they're really awful, but it, people, you know, they might win a game or two. <laughs> it's just one of those things like baseball. Uh, my, uh, my guard is up on this series because on paper, the Braves should dominate them. The Braves um, at the very moment are third in the league run differential and the A's are dead last. That is about as easy as it, as it gets, but it's in Oakland, uh, you know, can't predict baseball, but man, they're they're really bad. It has to be said. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at this today, and I think they're five and twenty three at home, and five and twenty two on the road, oh, which is which is uh you know an incredible amount of uh, consistency. Um, you know, it's just a bad situation. Obviously, you know the franchise, they're the whole Las Vegas things hanging over them like a cloud. But you've got a you've got a, a terribly young roster um, who signed a couple of veterans and they haven't really done much either um you know it's just the pitching's atrocious i was looking they're dead last in era dead last in fip dead last in f4 and that's their their entire pitching staff the rot- uh the rotations have been terrible the the bullpen's been terrible kyle muller was their opening day starter he was demoted earlier this week and has an era over eight 
So, you know, it's it's one of those things. But I agree with you. Um, in fact, I said this in Slack the other day. I was hoping the Braves would take three out of four from Philly. They go to Oakland with a chance to, uh, you know, really pad that um, pad that uh, record a little bit. But then at the same time, Oakland's lost 11 in a row. And, uh, you know, that's not going to last. Uh, everything we know about baseball is that that's not going to last forever. No, and um, I will. I could do Oakland stats all day long, and I won't do that. They are currently on pace for twenty nine wins on the season. Uh, for reference, the record holder for fewest wins in the current um, scheduling atmosphere is forty three wins. So they are currently the worst team in, in history by a lot. Uh, I'm not sure they're that bad because it's almost impossible to be this bad. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable. And yeah, from, and um, I, I was going to add too, you know, and then there's so much, you know, there's so much history with the Braves in them now because of those two big trades over the last yeah. uh, two off seasons. Sean but, Murphy um, returns, baby. Yeah, Sean Murphy, homecoming for Sean Murphy and Matt Olson. Um, you know, really all the pieces that they've got. Um, you know, uh, Shea Langoliers is their catcher. Uh, he's been kind of slumping of late. Uh, Asturi Ruiz came from uh, the Brewers in the Sean Murphy trade. He's leading the America, uh, leading the majors in stolen bases, uh, but I think he's in a one for seventeen slump. Didn't play Sunday, uh, but you know he is playing every day. Everybody else is either injured or in the minors, and um, you know that's kind of a that's kind of a bleak uh, situation when you trade the caliber of guys that they've traded over last. I mean, I looked at one point at one point during this season. You know, um, uh, Sean Murphy was leading the league in F war. Matt Chapman was second and, uh, Matt Olson was like fourth or fifth. And, uh, you know, that's, that's got to be really, really sad if you're an Oakland fan. Yeah. I, I feel genuinely bad for ACE fans at this, at this moment in time, but, uh, that's the situation for the first series. They do have Thursday off and they go to Arizona for a much more difficult series. The D backs are 30 and 23 and playing quite well this year. Um, a couple late night games. Thursday, sorry, Friday and Saturday, it's a 940 and a 1010. So uh, I don't know if Scott is back in the country by then, Chris, but if not, I, I pray for you. On this, on yeah, this no, I think uh, I think he's, yeah, I think he's still out. So we've got to cover a <laughs> rare West Coast, uh, West Coast series, but, you know, Scott takes care of us so much that uh, we'll let him off this one time. Come on, Scott. Um, no, I'm kidding. But that's more of a challenge, obviously. Uh, I'm not going to jinx it, um, but if things were to hold and Soroka can pitch uh, four days later than after his first start, he would be in line to maybe face Zach Gallon on Sunday. That would be fun. Zach Gallon is the Cy Young part runner at this point, along with Strider, I would say. Yeah, that would be fun, and, and it will be interesting to see how they uh, how they handle the rotation after after Soroka starts. Um, but you know, the impression I got was that you know they didn't want to yo-yo Soroka. You know, kind of when he comes up, I expect him to get you know four, five, six starts, hopefully stay there the rest of the season. But, you know, I think they're going to give him um, ample time before, uh, you know, before they would consider sending him down. I mean, I think he'd have to struggle, uh, incredibly struggle to uh, to get sent out uh, pretty quick. Yeah, I agree. Just, just just make sure I wasn't crazy. I looked this up just now. Uh, Strider and Gallon are basically exactly co-favorites in the betting market for Cy Young right now in the National League. So you may not know Zach Gallon's work that well if you are a Braves fan, but he is very, very good. And the Braves will see him. At least he's in line to pitch on Sunday in the finale of that series. But that's one where um, 
getting a series win in Arizona would be really nice. Not that they can't do it or that they wouldn't be maybe probably favored to do it, but you can't assume anything out of, this, out of that series. I think it'd be surprising to everyone if they had a lot of trouble in Oakland, although it could happen. Uh, but Arizona is a, a legitimately good team, and that's a road series, uh, some some serious challenges there. Yeah, and I mean, the, uh, the Diamondbacks are not that far behind the Dodgers and really pushing it, and Gallon's been a, a huge part of that. Um, I was thinking today when uh, on the broadcast when they were talking about Gallon being the uh, – front runner for the Cy Young and Strider right behind him. You might know this. When was the last last time that uh, one team had the uh, MVP and the Cy Young? Uh, because I think the Braves have an outside shot at it. You know, obviously it's early, It's but we're getting close to Memorial Day, Memorial Day's uh, tomorrow. So, you know, with Acuna and Strider, you know, I think it's in play. Uh, I, I don't know the answer, but I'm trying to look it up as we're talking. Um it looks like the last time it happened was the Tigers in 2013. Um, can you guess the winners? Uh, Cabrera won? and Verlander. It was Cabrera and Scherzer, which I have oh, forgotten wow. he won a Cy Young with Detroit, but that happened. Um, so yeah, 2013, that's 10 years ago. I guess it's, it's probably due for one of those to happen again. Before that, it was the Twins in 06 with Justin Morneau and Johan Santana. Uh, last NL team to do it was the 2005 Cardinals with Pujols and Chris Carpenter. So, oh, wow. Okay. It's been a while. Uh, it does not happen very often. So that's, uh, yeah, it's definitely plausible. I think, you know, I, I was on that same page. I just found the, uh, um, found the odds for Cy Young. Um, you can see the, uh, the MVP odds and Ronnie is the favorite in that particular category uh, by a pretty decent margin, honestly. In fact, old pal Freddie Freeman is number two and he is way behind Ronnie in the, in the odds. It's still very early, but that's uh, interesting to see. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, I mean, Freeman is playing out of his mind, but I think Acuna is just on another level. I mean, to me, you know, he even looks probably better than he did in 2021. I know he's not really run off that tear of home runs yet. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the total package of what he's doing, I mean, he's just setting the table for this offense day in and day out. And, uh, I mean, you know, I, I think he was hitting 315 coming into the night and had four four hits. So just an unbelievable, unbelievable start for him. Yeah, and before we get out of here, that reminded me the Freddie thing reminded me to do a little mini rant here. Um, have you have you seen the people that are mad about Matt Olson right now, or for whatever reason? Um, because they, they've been out there. I'm sure they've been in your mentions too. Matt Olson currently has a 139 WRC plus this season, and people think he's bad for some reason. Batting average, I guess. Yeah, um, batting, batting average, strikeout rate, but I mean, other than you know, other than that, I mean. Olsen's fine and uh he's more than fine he's very good at baseball he's very very good (laughs) and the Braves signed him for a lot less than anybody could have dreamed that they were going to get him for and uh you know I think when you look at the total package he's he's going to be fine I wish they'd shore up the defense a little bit I think some of that's I think some of that's bad luck too um but at the same time you know there's nothing wrong I mean there's Freddie Freeman's an all-time great Matt Olsen's a uh all-star caliber, you know, MVP caliber on his best, very at his very best day. Um, I think he's better than what he's shown. Honestly, I think he'll cut down the strikeouts, but I mean, he's been fine. He's been really good, like you said, and uh, showed it again tonight with two two monstrous home runs. You know, I know he had a little bit of a, um, a stretch there where he, he wasn't playing real good and the strikeouts really piled up. But he, you know, he hadn't got as much uh, talk as Austin Riley has. But I think Olsen's been kind of coming out of it uh, over the last week or so, too. Yeah. So uh, no worries there. I wanted to make just poke fun at batting average because uh, it, it's OK. Matt Olsen's pretty good. Uh, not to worry, folks. 
Okay, Chris, I've taken a lot of your time. It's late on Sunday evening. I appreciate you staying up to do this. Um, we got the Soroka news, so your your job here is done. That's uh, Congratulations to you on that. Um, this is an opportunity. We always do this anyway, whether you're here or not, but uh, because you are literally the person who runs the site, it is time to plug all of what's happening at Battery Power. So I will turn it over to you. What should people be looking for? What's going on in the Battery Power universe? Um, well, we're just we're trying to stay busy right now. Uh, obviously, you know, the draft and stuff it will be coming up, um, you know, right around the corner, uh, trade deadline. But, you know, we still got a ways to go there. West Coast trip. I know that's rough on everybody. If you can't stay up and watch, be sure to check the site out because we'll have we'll have write ups for every game, every night and any news that comes out of them. So, you know, it's just uh, we're kind of hitting on all cylinders right now. Uh, the podcast network's going good. Uh, appreciate all the work you and Scott and sean steven do and um you know we're just uh enjoying this season uh it's a whole lot better you know i feel a whole lot i've had a whole lot more fun this season than i did last year at this point early <laughs> in the, early because, in the year for sure yeah. yeah no doubt absolutely right it was a it was a struggle in april and may a year ago but uh we are rocketing and rolling we encourage you to not only read the site which you definitely should be doing at batterypower.com but also to subscribe to this podcast network Anywhere you get your podcasts, it is free. Um, that's always nice, but leave a five-star rating if you enjoy the programs that are uh, on this feed. We have three shows for the price of $0. Again, it's this this podcast, which is usually myself and Scott, but with rotations when it's necessary. We have Chris's podcast with Stephen, uh, which is the podcast we name later. And we also have Sean hosting The Daily Hammer, doing a great job on that three, four, five times a week as well in more bite-sized fashion. So we definitely encourage you to check out the show. And if you made it this far, Thanks for listening. Chris, thank you for being here. And uh, with all that said, hope everybody enjoys their Memorial Day and uh, a big week of baseball ahead. So stay tuned. We'll see you all next time.